Welcome to the Mastering College to Career Podcast. I am your host, Daniel Botero, and in this podcast, we help college students just like you get internships and job offers from top companies. In this podcast, we explore topics such as networking, interviewing, resume writing, and many other topics that will get you those jobs. Not only do I speak on these topics myself, but I also interview other subject matter experts, including CEOs, university presidents, and Fortune 500 executives. We also interview college students just like you in the hopes that you can relate to their stories and learn from their journey. So if you're a college student looking to get ahead, look no further and welcome to the Mastering College to Career podcast. All right, so before we get started, I want to take a couple of seconds to tell you about the Mastering College to Career Academy. The Academy is a mentoring program that helps college students land the jobs of their dreams before they graduate. In this academy, I will teach you application hacks that will automatically help you beat over 90% of all other job applicants, networking tactics that will give you access to the hidden job market where over 80% of jobs are filled, interview techniques that will practically guarantee you make it through every round of the interviews and win the offer. And I will also connect you with my network of thousands of HR professionals and hiring managers that love hiring my students. So if you're interested in learning more about this program, just send me a message and let's see if the Academy is a good fit for you. All right, welcome, welcome, welcome back to this episode of the Mastering College to Career podcast. And ladies and gentlemen, today we're going to be talking about a topic that applies to every single person listening to this podcast. It doesn't matter if you're a first generation, if you're a minority, or if you're a traditional student, or somebody listening to this podcast that has been in their career already, because we're going to be talking about owning your career. And to talk about this very, very important topic, I have a special guest for you. I have Dr. Jeanette Winters, and she is the talent doc. She's a woman that specializes in individuals and organizations, productivity, growth, and change. And if you looked at her LinkedIn, you're going to know why she is so qualified to talk about this topic. She has a wealth of knowledge, and I am so happy and blessed to have her on the podcast. So welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? You know, it's a great day. It's sunny here in Northern California, and uh, I'm just really excited to be with you today to talk about this. So I'm really looking forward to sharing some thoughts with you and your audience. So I'm excited about this topic because I first learned the concept of owning your career when I had started, had already graduated college. I had gone mm-hmm. into this management training program at PepsiCo. I was a sales associate. I was it was very like organized, right? For, for nine months, I was going to be training under a district manager and I became a district manager. And there was just like this career path organized for me. And I remember in the first week of orientation, HR said, you need to own your career. That minimum 51% of your career is owned by you. Like the company can't, like you need to own it. You need to be the one that's trying to have those career conversations. You need to try to network. You need to do that because especially when you have such a large organization like the PepsiCo's and the ones that you've worked mm-hmm. out, you're one of tens of thousands of employees. And yeah. so it's, it's up to you. And so I'm excited because if I would have known this when I was a student, how much far ahead could I have been? And so something I think about often. So this is such a great topic. So before we just dive into, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? So I'm a first generation high school graduate. 
and so uh, I was uh, encouraged by teachers along the way uh, to get an education. And it was, um, that was really new and different for my parents. They didn't know anything about a formal education. Uh, and so it was, I, I didn't have anybody to turn to, but I loved school and I excelled in it. And with the encouragement of uh, instructors, of, uh, of people in my life, get an education was the mantra I heard all the time. And so it wasn't whether I would go to college, it was where I was going to college. And then it was less about what I would study than just study. And really, um, I was so fortunate to have good advisors that encouraged me. But the thing that I didn't have were role models. So I got into college, I did well in high school, I went to a, a wonderful university, but I didn't know what to expect. And so like you, I had some regrets looking back on it saying, geez, I wish I had known. And you know, I wish that I had seen others be able to take the journey that I did. And then I would know, you know some of the pitfalls uh, and be able to avoid them. But that's not the reality. And so what I share with, with your audience today is really about owning that career. And that's owning who you are. And that was something for me that was really a start. I was uh, at a private university on scholarship and I knew I had to excel in order to keep that scholarship. Well, that really limited how well I was going to see myself and what risks I was willing to take. And so, you know, you talked about at the opening of this, of really looking back and saying, I wish I'd known. Well, I couldn't take risks for fear of risking at all, which was my access to higher education. And that's why I say to people, know who you are. Where does that start? It starts with your values, your needs and your wants. And when I talk about needs and wants, I don't mean about what car you want or what house you're going to live in, but who you are as an individual, what you're going to do with your life, where you want to be, and what you want to offer. And that's all around your values. And people will say, well, Jeanette, what's your values? My family, and that includes my friends, because if you're close enough to be a good friend, your family. I believe in equality and equity for all. And that's something that really drives who I am and what I do. The third is education and lifelong learning. I believe you have to learn something new every day or you lose your competitive edge. The fourth thing is we must treat our uh, environment better. And the fifth, uh, of course, is to really show love to all uh, and to provide the help to those who need it most. So that's what drives me. And if I'd known that when I was in college, I might have been able to pick out what I was going to do with my life far sooner than I actually figured it out. I thought I wanted to be a high school teacher. And then I did student teaching and I kept thinking, this isn't enough for me. But I had been programmed because people would say, you will be a great teacher. Okay, I'll be a great teacher. And that's what I, I aimed for, only to realize it wasn't what I was meant to do. 
when did you realize, when did you take ownership of your career and said, you know, I, I don't want to be a high school teacher and I want to just go into the corporate America and then climb the, the corporate ladder and be in a position to make really impactful decisions that are going to impact the lives of tens of thousands of people. The biggest decision that started me on owning my career was this idea of I'm not enjoying student teaching. I'm not, I'm not bringing the joyful essence of what I thought I'd be bringing to my students into the classroom. And I knew they deserved more because I knew when I had teachers that loved what they did, they gave me so much more. And about halfway through, I had to raise my hand and say to my uh, sponsoring faculty member, this isn't right for me. That was a huge step for me. I had never stepped outside what was expected of me before. And so here I was, I was raising my hand saying, the path that I thought I had been on most of my life was really not the one for me. And I, because I knew where I was getting joy and that it had to be on a bigger scale than 20, 30 kids in a classroom for an hour. I wanted to impact people's lives in a bigger and broader way. And so that's what I did. That's where the ownership started. And it is so easy. And I urge all of your listeners and, and you too, Daniel, never to regret the fact that we've listened to other people but we can't let them define us. And that happens from a good heart and a, a good intention. But people will say, you should, you, you're meant to do, you're meant to be, or I wanna see you, I wanna encourage you to be this, that, or the other. And you're thinking to yourself, I have no interest in that, that's not what you know, gives me joy. And if you try it, and I don't, I don't discourage people from trying, but really know and who you have to listen to. And that's right here in your heart. Know you before you listen to others tell you who you ought to be. You know, that brings me like, that, that, that reminds me a lot of an issue that I see a lot of students face. And that is when they have uncertainty about what they want to do when they're in college. And, you know, a lot of times they go to college mm -hmm. because it was just the next step, you know, it was middle school, high school, high school, college. And they right. go into not knowing what major they wanted to do. And they pick a major based on what they think their parents will be happy on doing. Mm -hmm. And they'll go into a doctor or a lawyer or finance or accounting or one of, you know, engineering. And, and that is why like this shocking number, I remember reading it, that over 80% of all college students change their majors. And, and that's the reason why the average student is now taking six years to graduate from a four-year degree is due to the change of majors that's happening. And that to me, it, it's, you know, there's this rush to try to pick your major. And I think, you know, it's finding that the earlier you can find it, it's better. But I also understand that it comes easier to some than for others. Like for me, it was very easy. For my wife, it was harder to find what she wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and I look at our two kids. Our, our daughter knew from wee little age that she was going to be a doctor. Now, she also was very uh, judicious in saying that she would not let that goal really limit what she experienced uh, in her collegiate career. And so she uh, studied abroad. Uh, she minored in Spanish. 
um, she went to India and did some volunteer work there. And she really uh, experienced, she just vacuumed up everything in that experience, even though knowing what she was going to do and knowing that she may have to take a couple of classes after she graduated, which she did. Uh, our son, on the other hand, knew that it was a scientific field that he was interested in. It was a question of where. And so he used his first two years at university to explore what were the things that called to him, that drew to him. And he talked to faculty, and that's the thing. It really is connecting with your faculty and other students right away. Those faculty are there for you. However, they're not going to reach out to you. You have to reach out to them. They expect that. Sit down, go to office hours, make sure they understand who you are and what you're looking for and learn from them because they can tell you a lot about a, a given field of study. They can tell you what it's going to take to be a doctor, lawyer, or uh, an accountant. And they can tell you a lot about what the jobs are. And that may, you know, for somebody who's an extrovert, you know, sitting at a desk programming all day really may not be the right way to go. Somebody who may be more introverted and more analytical, they may not want to be in sales because you're out in front of people and you need to be initiating uh, conversations all the time. So understand based on conversations with others, what it takes to succeed in a field. You know, you may like to study something, but it may not be the right field for you, for your, uh, for your employment. When it comes to um, students applying for companies, and I know that you have a lot of experience in talent management and even creating uh, programs when companies are going, trying to go from like a couple hundred employees to thousands of employees. Yeah. How important is hiring college students to the strategy or the people's strategy of an organization? Oh, it's absolutely essential. And today in particular, there is a huge issue with acquiring talent. And why do I say that? There are, uh, and this is pre-COVID, and who knows what it's going to look like when, we, when we're all back in the workforce full force. But there were uh, 7 million jobs that were open and 5 million people looking for those jobs. So we've got a delta of, of about 2 million jobs that uh, we don't have candidates for. And so it really requires unique skill. And that's why some of these jobs really are so hard for companies to fill. That's why tapping new talent that's coming right out of university, they have the best of new thoughts. They've got the best research. They've got access to the, the really leading in thinking. And that can be extremely helpful for companies. You want to hire people, not just for the job you're hiring them for today, but for their potential. And that's why you want to see someone with enthusiasm and an energy that's going to carry them for the next two to three to five years of their career. You want to know they're prepared to grow with you. And those are the candidates that I like to look for because you get somebody with that level of enthusiasm and commitment for the work they do, they're going to be a grand employee. I want to ask you a couple of follow-up questions because, about that sure. because one of them is students have filled this 
that they're not qualified enough. They're like, why would they hire me? And I, and I know the answer is because I, I remember going and being in campus recruitment, but why would they hire me with no experience coming out of college instead of hiring someone that might have five to 10 years of experience that might be applying for the same job? Yeah. Well, first of all, you're going to be cheaper as a new college graduate because you have less experience and most companies pay for experience, right? But what you bring is a new perspective. The other thing is, I always tell people, look at your resume. I can take two resumes and I can say, this person is simply a college student looking for their first job. This resume represents a body of work that they have garnered through their education and experience. Maybe it's internships, maybe it is cooperative education placements, maybe it's work after school or around school. But what we're looking for here, we want to make sure that this person knows themselves well enough that they bring something to the, uh, to the job. And if somebody says, I'm just, right there, they're limiting themselves. You're not just anything. You are a brand new college graduate. You have a newly minted baccalaureate degree or whatever you know, degree that you bring. But understand the components of that and what, what all of that in, entails. That's the unique aspects of what you have to offer as a candidate. I love it. And so I, I have a, a, a strategy or kind of like I talk to my students about what most students do is this shotgun approach of job searching. Like, you know, is the good old spray and spray their resume to every single company, applying to every single company that they meet the minimum qualifications for, right? But one of the things I, am, I, I always preach to my students is having the sniper approach of job searching yeah. is the more you can have a clear understanding of where you want to work, it is in the company's best interest to tell you what they're looking for in those candidates. It is an open book test. And if you can become an expert in those companies, let's say you, mm -hmm. you create a list of five to 10 companies that you want to work for and then understand what soft and technical skills they are looking for and how you position yourself that you have the potential to be a future leader in the organization, then it becomes a no brainer for them. But yeah. what is your advice to that? Why should students focus on us at a handful of companies versus just trying to be the ideal candidate tool? I'm a, you know, a million companies that are out there. You know, it's kind of like uh, The Bachelor. Um, you, you are not, you know, everybody is adorable and everybody, you know, has a ticket to apply, but they may, you know, who gets the rose, right? It's, the, it's where the chemistry is right and where interests align. And frankly, you're not going to align with culture or mission or the management team, never mind the people you work for at a thousand companies. That's why this idea of sniper focus, it, that laser focus is absolutely key. Those are the four things you wanna look at. You wanna look at the job. Is that a job you're going to enjoy? The second thing is, is this a culture in which you can thrive? For example, um, if you work uh, at a company that's committed to the environment, that's, you know, or are you working for a company that really hasn't stepped up and said, yes, we're committed to the environment and, you know, or maybe they, they use animals for testing. That's a, a real easy one. 
where it's you know black and white. I could never work for a company that used animals for testing. It's part of my my value system. So that eliminates a whole wad of companies. Doesn't mean they're bad companies. It just means it's a bad fit for me. Culture, the job, the manager, who you work for is more important than the company that you work for. And finally, the team that you're going to work with. Are these people that are going to inspire you, motivate you, energize you, empower you? Those are the four elements you want to look at. And frankly, you're not going to fit into a thousand or even a hundred places. If you know who you are based on those four elements, that's going to tell you the companies you should be looking for. That's and amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. I, one of the things I, I have students do is prioritize what's more important to them, you know, whether it's pay, whether it's culture, location, because that all helps determine it, whether it's work-life balance, um, all that will help you narrow down the industries, right, the, the company, and help you understand that. I think one of the hardest things that is it's very hard to do when you're coming out of college is picking your man, like, figuring out who you're going to work for, especially if you're going to like a management training program or a rotational program. Uh, but, but even then you can have those conversations and um, do, have discovery interviews, informal interviews, uh, whether it's not through zoom or through the phone to try to understand that because there is a, a book that I read in college where it says your, your first manager is more important than your first paycheck. And I remember that, that being the case um, and how important your manager is. Uh, one thing we had to, you had mentioned earlier that I think is very important. You talked about potential, right? Mm -hmm. And that a big part of hiring college students right out of college was the fact that they have potential. Mm -hmm. But it's how do you, as a college student, how do you show or demonstrate potential? Hey, Daniel here. We've just hit the middle of the episode, but before we move on, I want to share the story of Tim, one of the students who recently went through my academy. Hi, I'm Timothy Castaneda, and I just got my dream job offer for my future career. I actually start Monday, and that is all thanks to Daniel and the Mastering College to Career program. Um, I had been looking for a new career for the last five months, for the first four months of that college, of that career search. I had not been with Daniel or the Master in College to Career program. I had been doing it myself, and I gotta tell you, I had no success. I got 10 no's from 10 different companies, and at my lowest point, I reached out to Daniel because I had seen stuff about him, I had seen stuff about the Master in College to Career program on LinkedIn, and he actually got back to me that very same day, and we had a 15-minute conversation that changed my life. I decided to sign up for that program, and I gotta tell you, it was the best professional decision ever. It led to me getting this job offer for three reasons. The first, I, the course itself is so intuitive. It is step-by-step, step, literally everything you would need to make yourself the best candidate, not only for this career search, but anytime down in the future to make yourself the top candidate for any career that you dream in being. Daniel will help you get there. Two, you can actually have some one-on-one -on -one time with Daniel. He actually cares. He knew me by name. He remembered some of the things that we spoke about. He remembered the profession that I was looking at when I met up with him again. Um, and it really made me feel like he actually cared about my success. And that made me believe in myself after getting those 10 straight no's. And the third reason is the, the cost of the course itself, you are going to get a huge return on investment. 
It is literally less than the cost of a college credit, and you get a 30-day money-back guarantee that Daniel himself promises. And I can tell you, within those 30 days of me signing up, I had had three job offers from four different companies, two of which were in the top 10 list of what I was looking for. And that is, again, all thanks to Daniel and the Mastering College to Career course. Best decision in my life. Go look at the website. Reach out to Daniel LinkedIn. I promise you, you won't regret it. If you want me to help you reach your career goals, just contact me. And now, let's get back to the rest of the show. Curiosity. And to demonstrate that you know and appreciate the value of learning. Because companies want people that are innately curious, and they want individuals that are willing to learn. Why? Because everything is new. Everybody's a newbie, you know, at, at, at a given time in their life, in their career. But you have to learn processes and technology, the product, the how the company makes money. There's so much that has to be learned. And if you're not innately curious, and if you haven't done your homework prior to that first interview, then, you, then your potential is, is capped. In, their, in the hiring manager's eyes. And why do I say that? Because if I, if I have a candidate that comes to me and talks to me about the culture and the values of the company that I'm interviewing them for, and they ask about me and they say, well, Dr. J, you know, uh, how did you like going to this university? Or how did you like working in this part of the world? You know, that's the sort of thing that I then say, this person, is innately curious enough that they've checked me out, they've looked me up on LinkedIn, they've read some of the things I've written or some of the, you know, the interviews that I've done, uh, or conversely, they've looked at the company. And that's what you want. You want somebody who has done their homework. That shows potential because they're the elements that, are, that you need when you bring somebody on. You know, companies today know they've got to work hard to develop all the people uh, that they hire. But there are some people that are just easier to work with than others and that are open to new ideas and that take initiative. You know, if somebody shows initiative, I'll take will over skill any day. And what I mean by that is if you demonstrate your willingness to work hard and to learn new things and to dig and find that golden nugget, you may not have exactly the degree I want or the experience, but you demonstrate to me the will you have for pursuing what you really want. You've got my attention for sure. That's such a great advice. I think it's so important, like being able to show that and do the research and showing that you, like I talk about main three main things that you want to research, right? The company, the position and the person interviewing you, right? Understanding all three of them are going to be very crucial. Now, let's say that an individual did all that and they received a summer internship. What advice do you have for all the, all the students that are listening to this podcast about to start their summer internship? How can they start owning their career as an intern? Oh, you know, that isn't as difficult as, as it may seem. The first thing is that people really have got to be, they, they come with an agenda. So if you show up and say, what do you want me to do? What should I learn? You know, where do I start? 
this is where the curiosity and the initiative really takes hold. And it's going to be incumbent upon you to come with an agenda. And so you may say, you know, uh, when it, Daniel, when you and I first met, we talked about being first, the firsts of things, you know, the first college student in your family, you know, the first uh, person working for a Fortune 100 company in your family, all of the, the firsts that you had, being an intern and unpaid, you know, those are the, you know, but you come in and, um, and, and know what you need to learn as well as what you're open to learning, but you present yourself with an open heart and an open mind. And that's why, you know, I've worked with some people that come in and say, you know, I expect to have your job in, in a year. Great. You know, tell me, what are you going to do to earn it? You know, it's, it's a difference between, between being curious and self-directed and cocky. And that's why I say, do your homework, you know, understand, know people and be genuine in listening. The better listener you are, the better you're, you're going to uh, be. And that's why even as an intern, meet people. You know, one of the things I like to do for my interns is to set up informational interviews with five people in their field. Um, last summer, uh, I had an intern who came from Spain and he had really, he had very little experience in corporate America. He's from Spain, right? So he came and, uh, I, and, and he was a, an, uh, economics major. And so I introduced him to our CFO, the head of financial planning and analysis, a, a young man who was, uh, in our finance department and uh, in two other areas. One was manufacturing operations and the other in IT. So he got a broad-based view. And I said to him, prepare a list of five questions that you're going to ask each person. He goes, well, I don't know what to ask him. So we worked on that together. He went in and asked the five questions that he really wanted to ask, but was really sort of reserved and wasn't sure he should. To this day, now going on two years later, he still is in touch with those people, even though he's no longer with the company, and they may not be with the company either. But he went in and was interested. And he's, he built friends uh, as a result, and references, which is the other important aspect. So, you know, just really important that, that, that you demonstrate your genuine interest in learning and getting to know people. Um, last summer, I challenged my audience to do a, 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 a summer internship challenge where I asked them to get a composition notebook at the beginning of the summer and to interview one person a week. Generally, that'd be 10 to 12 people, right? What and then, a great idea. And the idea behind was that you, I wanted them to be creative. And like my idea was in the end, ask, what is your favorite Starbucks drink, right? And then in the next morning, get there early and have that drink in their desk with a handwritten thank you card, letting them know how much you appreciated their time. And it didn't have to be Starbucks. It could be their favorite candy bar. It's all about just this, just showing them appreciation because they took their time and then asking them if they could recommend two other people to talk to. And I said, look, minimum 10 to 12 people. But if you can do that two to three times, I promise you, you would walk away with a job offer guaranteed because 
It's all about building your network. And even if you decide that that's not the right company for you, you have no idea where those doors open. Like the people that I've worked with are PepsiCo are all over, not just in food and beverage, they're all over corporate America. There are Mm -hmm. many of them are guests on my podcast now that people are like, how did you get them in the podcast? I'm like, I built those relationships a while back. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, just as we do, whether we're in our community, uh, maybe uh, the church we attend or volunteer work that we do uh, or the colleges that we go to, we build a network. And, uh, you know, just like the alumni networks that we build, you know, you want to stay in touch with people that, uh, that you enjoyed when you were in school. And that's part of the college experience of really, of meeting people that you're learning with and understanding what their learning journey is like, because you can learn from their learning. And we do that at work too. And that's why I say, oh, please make sure that you are, you're getting out there. And, you know, and I love your idea of asking them about what their favorite drink or candy bar or whatever might be. It, and that handwritten note that may, and it may be two lines. Thanks for meeting with me yesterday. I learned so much, you know, you know, end of story. It doesn't have to be, you know, uh, the greatest novel and, you know, it just demonstrates genuine appreciation. And I'll tell you, that would make my day if somebody did that with me. And it would be like, you will never forget. You oh, will never. never. Forget. Absolutely. Never Absolutely. Handwritten and notes are underappreciated. I, I just did an episode um, with Kurt as one of my mentors. He has a company called Appreciation Marketing that helps create a system for you to be able to do that. And, but, oh, um, but it's, it's amazing. I I do want to talk about owning your career and and we've talked a lot about it, right? Already all this is how you own your career. But I do want to talk about how important is your first couple of years in the company and how, at least in my experience and definitely nowhere near your experience when it comes to this is perception is reality when it comes. And so the way that you start off in the first couple of years, it's going to be to help a lot of how you're going to be perceived and that's going to, help you either put you in a, in a position where you become a high potential employee or, or I know that it, there is different types of measurements. So how does a student come out of college, build that reputation as a hardworking, curious, someone with a lot of potential so they could be put, positioned in a place where they're considered a high potential employee where the company will invest more time and resources into their development? You know, and I think that's really a, a good question. Um, let's, uh, about in having a company uh, really uh, invest in, in resources in them because there's, there are always too few resources for, uh, for everything. I invest resources in somebody who has a plan, who wants to learn and has made that clear that they will go the extra mile if I go the extra mile, right? And so, and this isn't quid pro quo. But you need to remember, we all need to remember, this is our career. Everything we do, people will say, well, you know, why am I going to work hard for them? You know, like they own the company, you know, their name is on the building. Yeah. Do you know how their name got on the building? Because they worked really hard at it in most cases. But for people that that are right out of school, they need to demonstrate their interest, 
and their ownership. And so what is owning your own career? I like to remind people when you rent a car, you know, they hand you the keys, you get in the car, you know, they probably walk you around it to see if there are any dings in it, right? But you don't care, you know, as long as, you know, as long as you're not responsible for repairing anything. All it is, it's a vehicle to get you where you need to go for the next couple of days or even maybe a week. You hand them back the keys. Did you take the car to a car wash? No. Did you change the oil? No. Even if it says that it needs service, it's not yours. You're not invested in it. But if it was your car, yeah, you'd take it to the car wash. You'd make sure that the service was done because it's your asset. If you think of your career in that same vein, people will say, well, I'm not an owner of the company. No, but you own your own career. And so where, where is your, your learning plan? What are you trying to learn? What are you trying to, to be better at? Do you know yourself? that, you know, those values that we talked about earlier, that wants and needs, you know, it's all about understanding that you, you really need to know who you are and that's who you're, that is who you're going after. I was, I was working with one of my coaching uh, clients, a very, very bright woman who is, a, she's in her last year of a joint program in law school and her MBA. Obviously, it's a private university on the West Coast. It, she is brilliant. And we were trying to figure out what she was going to do with her life. Well, right before Christmas, I, I was getting very concerned because, you know, a year away, she graduates this December. And a year out, I, I just didn't feel like she was connecting. And she did informational interviews. We had her talking to the most interesting of people. Um, and it, none of it, it, none of it clicked. I said to her, let's stop this discussion about career. Tell me about your life 10 years from now. Daniel, it was like I turned the light on. She said, now remember, this is a woman who's going to have a law degree and an MBA. She said, I want to have four kids. She said, I want my husband and I to both have really interesting careers. But she said, only one of us can travel because the other has to be at home. She said, I want us to be involved parents. I want to have a dog. I want to have a cat. I want to live in this geography. I mean, this woman was so specific about how she was. So I said to her, the things we've been looking at, chief counsel, um, looking at uh, a, a chief counsel for a startup or uh, employment attorney, different options, uh, negotiating contracts for uh, new companies. And she said, well, and I said, what, how do you fit your vision of your life with the career? And she said, well, that's why I'm not very excited about it because, you know, if I were chief counsel, I know that's an 80 hour a week job. And I said, then why are you looking at those jobs? Well, since Christmas, she has mapped out a, you know, a, a variety of opportunities that she's looking at now. And this summer, she's going to be doing an internship. In a, in a field that she never really anticipated, but when she looked at the big picture and said, who am I, what do I want, what is my life going to be about? It was to fit the pieces together. And that's what, when I talk about ownership, it's making sure that you paint the full picture. Your job's not the full picture. 
it's a part of it. You know, the, the line about, you know, I work to live and I live to work. Well, we need to be really clear about understanding where work fits. You know, I love the work that I do. So it doesn't matter whether I'm working six days a week or whether I'm working seven days a week because I get joy out of the work I do. But I also know how important my family is and the work that I do for my community. That's where the totality of my human being gets to shine. And that's what I, I, that's what I mean about owning your career. You've got to know yourself well enough. And, you know, and look, you've got to be open to opportunities and try things and look and raise your hand and say, it didn't, it's not for me. And is that tough? It can be. But if you learn to set boundaries and do it graciously and be present, people will say, I'm glad you tried it. I'm glad you tried it. That's amazing. I can't believe it's already been over 30 minutes long. And I do want to make sure that I, time fly every time that, that we go into this amazing discussion, time is going to fly. So let me do ask you a couple of more questions to finish off the episode. Is there sure. anything that you wish we would have covered when it comes to the topic of owning your career that maybe we haven't discussed yet that is important for the audience to know? Well, there's one thing and we touched on it, but I, I do want to be specific. It is very easy for us to please those that are important in our lives. Uh, maybe you, your, uh, your family has always envisioned that there'd be a doctor in the family. Maybe that's not you. And you know, uh, it's a excruciating academic uh, grind. You know, four years of university, four years of medical school, at least four years of internship and residency. I mean, it's a long haul and an expensive one. If that's for you, it's not a trial. It is a journey. But understand that your family will be just as happy for you if you're happy in your work uh, as then they would be to say that there's a doctor in the family. And, but you've got to own that because if you do what you think others want you to do and then you're miserable, sorry, that's on you, not on them. Yeah. I, I mean, do I want the best for my, you know, for our family? Of course I do, but they have to decide. They have to live the life, not me. And that's really, that is such an important admonition because it's easy for all of us to want to please those that we care for. And that might be a spouse, a boyfriend, a girlfriend. Uh, or our parents, we can't live our lives for them. That's so great. That's so amazing. I, you know, it, when you were talking, it really reminded me of my best friend in college, and it wasn't to the extent of a doctor, but my best friend's dad, uh, my college roommate, his dad was an entrepreneur. He had started this business, um, and even though he had such great job offers, um, to go with other companies, his dad really influenced them to go work for for him. And it just was this old school, new school mentality. There was too much friction. And then um, because he just gave in to the pressure of coming to work for the family business, he ended up a year and a half later going back to corporate America where he enjoyed it. His dad, again, dragged him back in. And long story short, um, they started a franchise. So now he runs the franchise. He runs the family business. It took about five years to find this happy medium, but um, it just is an example because I know that it, he had this tug and pull because he didn't want to let his father down, 
but he of also course. wasn't happy. Yeah. 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 And, and the, your, your friend eventually was true to himself and mm -hmm. he was, he, you know, he was a, he was a good son. He's a, he's doing something he loves and truthfully, that's what we want more than anything yeah. for our, our family. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what is the best way for the audience to get a hold of you, to talk to you if they want to connect with you? So LinkedIn and it's Jeanette K. Winters uh, at LinkedIn. Uh, and uh, I, I love the platform and that's how I uh, remain connected. So I, I accept all comers. So please connect with me. And, uh, and my uh, email address is listed in my contact information. So please uh, reach out. I'd love to hear from people. Thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been an amazing, amazing episode. You have been an amazing guest. And for everybody listening, I'll talk to you guys on the next episode. All right, my friend, congratulations for making it all the way to the end of the podcast. In the age of short attention span, this speaks volumes of you. So now, if you found value in this episode, then I am sure you're going to find value in the Mastering College to Career Academy. So if you want to learn more a little bit about that academy, go to masteringcollegetocareer.com or just send me a message. Thank you so much for listening and catch you guys all on the next